With spiritual eyes, it's clear that the outrageous corruption of politicians is demonically inspired. So, how are the righteous to respond? This is Dennis Peterson, and thanks for joining me today on Reclaiming Your Legacy. Have confidence in God's justice for his nation as his story is being made. The widespread deception of the news media is demonically inspired. I have no doubt about it. The open dishonesty that has prevailed in this country's indoctrination institutions that we call public education is demonically inspired. All this, now publicly obvious distortion of reality, is crystal clear evidence of a long-term war between truth and lies. It can be a discouraging discovery of the spiraling conflict of good and evil, destroying liberty and increasing smothering captivity. It's the very confrontation of devilish attacks against the kingdom of God, the king of all kings. So how are the righteous to respond to all this? With all the opinions and disinformation flying around, how do you know who to trust? Even if you've abandoned the propaganda of mainstream network media, which you should have done long ago by now, we all need careful discernment as we navigate the many channels of religious programming and truth-telling sources on the Internet. I'll share some that I find informative and biblically trustworthy at the end of this episode and at today's post on the ReclaimYourLegacy.com website. In Psalm 20, verse 7, King David says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In today's American society, you could say some believe in the flashy chariots of mainstream public media, public education, and big network news analysts. Those are the carriers of disinformation and propaganda. Others put their trust in the opinions of strong, influential politicians and celebrities. What will we declare is the solid rock of our trust? Will you agree with King David's declaration of Psalm 31.6? I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Are we willing to abide by such a strong commitment as the man with a heart after God? Can we say that we hate the people who listen to or regard and bow their allegiance to the idolatries of our culture? The challenge we all face now is how to apply that principle of trusting in the Lord. It does require childlike faith to trust in the Lord as we mature in Christ, but it's much more than that. It's imperative that we follow, actually do, the commands of our King, Jesus Christ. That way we can become increasingly responsive to the momentary guidance of His Holy Spirit. He promised He will never leave us or disown us, right? This requires abiding, being at home with, and constantly living in our Lord's Word so that we can become set apart, sanctified by that word, just as Jesus interceded for us and as he continues to do, as it says in John 17. There are so many exhortations in the empowering scriptures of the New Testament that reinforce this directive for us, his saints, his set-apart ones. One is at the end of Peter's second letter. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's clearly a lifelong process of God's continuing transformation 
as we refuse to be conformed to this world and rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove what is that good and perfect will of God, as it says in Romans 12. This means we need to think, to use our minds in discovering the mind of Christ. That's the way we leave behind the worldly way of thinking like a natural man. And then we can increasingly embrace spiritual thinking so that we can rightly judge and discern all things, like it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It takes daily conscious effort to reject the thinking of the corrupted natural man. Listening to God's faith-building word is the purifying factor that renews our mind. More and more God-fearing people in America are beginning to awaken to a reality that they didn't give much thought to in the past. They're finding that engagement in discussion and activism in the marketplace of public policy ideas is a patriotic imperative for all law-abiding Americans. Do you think that you make an effort to obey the laws of the land? If you do, how do you think those laws are made? Are you happy with increasing laws and bureaucratic regulations that make your life increasingly pressured by costs you didn't agree to? How do you feel about laws that impose ungodly, immoral values on your children and grandchildren? If the government decides to resettle illegal aliens with possible criminal records into your neighborhood, it's likely too late to do anything about it. If they offer tax breaks or rewards to your neighbors for snitching on you because you host a Bible study in your living room, are you going to start researching how you can change the government regulations then? Thomas Jefferson said, A well-informed citizenry is the best defense against tyranny. Do you have a copy of the Bible handy? Do you know what it says about our part in civic law and order? Do you have a copy of the U.S. Constitution handy? Do you know what it says about how the government is to be regulated to protect the rights of we the people. 18th century British member of the parliament, Edmund Burke, wrote, All that is necessary for evil to succeed is that good men do nothing. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Do you know where that question is found in the Bible? Do you know what the Bible says is God's response to those plots of nations against the Lord? It says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. That's in Psalm 2, verses 1 to 4. Psalm 33, 12 tells us, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people that he has chosen as his own inheritance. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 13 to 14, it says, If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. How many people quote that last part of that passage in Second Chronicles 7 without recognizing God's sovereignty in the whole plan when he even sends pestilence among his people? 
as a result of their waywardness and their sin. And yet God, in his mercy, guarantees that he will forgive their sin when they humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, and God will do his part. Proverbs chapter 29, 2 says, As when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. How much is that so prominent in our thinking today? Luke chapter 7, verse 35 tells us wisdom is justified by all her children. And Proverbs 15, 2 tells us the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. John 16 tells us I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus made it clear that sometimes in a, the course of our maturing in his Holy Spirit, that we're not ready to receive the things that God has for us. Psalm 31 tells us, My times are in your hands. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. And Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Why is that? Could it be due to being informed? Jeremiah 4.22 could easily apply to many of God's people in American churches today. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. In Romans 15.4, Paul tells us, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Does God's Word give us counsel on today's leadership crisis? In the providence of God working through his people down through history, there have been several notable turning points when Satan inspired illegitimate subversions to God's anointed plan for leadership of the people of God. We might think of Absalom's rebellion to take the crown of his father, King David, but there's another incident that gets only little attention. It happened years later when King David was about to die in his old age. And it was the handsome younger brother of Absalom who decided he should be king instead of his father's chosen son, Solomon. His name was Adonijah. Some of Israel's influential and trusted leaders, Joab, one of David's leading military commanders, and Abiathar, the priest, aided the treasonous conspiracy. For a short time, it appeared publicly that the people were celebrating the dishonest supplanting of the kingship by Adonijah. But then, the royal family and the faithful officials of David's kingdom assertively installed the truly chosen leader of the people, King Solomon. It appeared for a brief time that Israel had two kings. And it didn't take long for the public perception to change. They finally saw that an attempted insurrection had been reversed by God's righteously ordered choice for their nation's king. Paul consoles believers with a particular instruction in Romans 16, writing, I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Most of us Bible-believing Christians have no problem believing what the prophet Daniel said, let the name of the Lord be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings, and he establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and, and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. America has no king, but we the people. We understand that. 
but we have no reason not to believe that God sovereignly orchestrates the rise and the fall of heads of state like the head of America's executive branch of government, the President of the United States. And regardless how corrupt the political parties have become, the one sacred cherished constitutional guarantee of our republic has always been the confident trust of our citizens in the fairness and honesty of our free elections. I have two questions for you. First, if the choice of the American electoral system for the presidency is fraudulently usurped by an illegitimate criminal in secret conspiracy with foreign enemies of the nation's sovereignty, do you believe that God is a party to fraud? My next question for you to think about is more personal. By what standard could a law-abiding citizen justify his own affirmation, backing, or acceptance of an illegitimate usurper being shielded by a corrupt and complicit league of dishonest scoundrels who are in open coalition with outside enemies to dismantle our nation's sovereignty? Do you really want to put yourself in the position of a weak-kneed coward giving consent to an illegitimate pretender as the executive officer of the most powerful nation in the world? Do not think that you're being innocent in what is evil when you concede to an illegitimate conspiracy that has overtaken your peers through propaganda. God has no part in it, and neither should you if you claim to uphold righteousness. Ephesians 5.11 Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Matthew 10:26. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. Isn't it revealing to see how clearly God is exposing the utter futility of corrupted governments and elite powers in earthly dominions? His people are rising in concerted intercession. Tens of millions of God-fearing citizens are interceding to Almighty God in this country and in other countries. They are declaring God's truth, shining light on this world's evil darkness. Are we seeing that the enemy's works are about to be exposed on a scale that many of us have prayed for over years of intercession for our generation? We may not know or understand all the ways that God's providence can turn around what looks like a hopeless situation when wicked and ungodly rulers are ignoring God and oppressing his people. But God, in his mercy, confirms by his prophet Amos that surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. And his prophets have emphatically and unanimously reaffirmed that treasonous fraud will not sustain an illegitimate presidency of the United States of America. Indeed, if the reestablishment of our true constitutional republic is publicly revealed, we will be in for a whole new chapter in this country's history. In God's providence, interceding patriots will see the dawning of a new reformation, the long-awaited harvest depends on the sovereign outpouring of God's Spirit for a third great awakening. Millions of souls drawn to Jesus Christ, seated on the throne of heaven, will transform a new younger generation as he brings all his enemies under his footstool. The 59th chapter of Isaiah seems alarmingly accurate in describing our wayward nation today. But insight and mercy in this prophetic word give us hope. 
The Lord's arm is not too weak to save us, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. Their feet run to do evil and they rush to commit murder. They only think about sinning. Yes, we know what sinners are. We have turned our backs on our God. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. The Redeemer will come to Zion to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with you, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will these words I have given you. Psalm 97 verse 2 reminds us that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Let God's word revive our hope when darkness seems to be extinguishing the light. The light will prevail. The illegitimately installed administration has swiftly reaffirmed its intent to marginalize, if not criminalize, all the patriots who do not agree with their tyrannical agenda to complete the deconstruction of the freedoms, values, and fundamental principles of America's founders and our Constitution. They intend to re-educate the opponents of their Marxist ideology, but they underestimate the resolve of the remnant of patriots who dare to persevere with their convictions. Like Egypt's pharaoh in Moses' time, the national leaders of today's world are bowing in lockstep to the demonic pagan influence of the World Economic Forum. If you haven't followed the many knowledgeable patriot warriors commenting regularly on the Brideon and Frank speech channels online, you'll be in for many shocking surprises. The wickedness of very wealthy influencers could not be more obviously demonic when you actually see and hear what they're saying to their followers and the mainstream reports almost none of it. They're determined to reset their new world order by 2030, even if it means collapsing the economies of most of the nations and murdering millions more with even more planned epidemics. The biggest is the pandemic of fear, and it's all generated by propaganda. But don't cave into it. Remember Mordecai's words to Esther in Esther chapter 4. Mordecai sent his reply to Esther, Don't think for a moment that because you're in a palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Millions are praying like never before. Jesus said that the wheat and the tares, the weeds, will grow up together until the reaper puts in the sickle to reap the harvest at the end. As the darkness grows darker, the light grows brighter. Things are shaping up for an awakening of souls to eternal life that will be glorious. Let's not conform to the world of cowards who are fearing the gloom of national judgment 
Indeed, if that were our expectation, we should be preparing today for the world to fall into a terrifying age of darkness. Why not look for the hints that God is raising up a new generation of warriors? By God's grace and with our help, they will be equipped to rebuild the ancient foundations of truth. They will provide restorative authority of Christ's Holy Spirit to overcome the confused insanity of the enemies of God. Jesus promised in Luke 12, The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Therefore, when we see our beloved country being stolen, defiled, and fundamentally transformed as it is right now, right-thinking Americans feel compelled to defend her, but how? In every area of life, Americans must bear up with grace and dignity to fight the good fight. Citizens, the ultimate sovereigns in America's unique constitutional system, may be tempted to drop out of politics. We must do the opposite. We must vigorously exercise our sacred rights of voting, free speech, free association, freedom of worship, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances in every legal and moral way. Unlike virtually all other nations, the essence of America is not a common ethnicity, but a common spirit, a grateful, moral, entrepreneurial, freedom-loving, generous, essentially Christian spirit which needs to burn more brightly now in America than ever. No real and lasting victory is possible for America without a genuine spiritual revival. Each of us needs, as Christ commanded, to let our light shine before men, always praying that we can wage the battle righteously and even praying for our enemies. Pastor Dutch Sheets gives us wise counsel in his Give Him 15 prayer guide for January 22, 2021. As we pray, we've got to remove from our hearts all the unbelief that God cannot cleanse our nation. Ask Him for mercy to those who will repent. God loves them all. Continue to ask God for righteous leaders. Ask Him to release a great awakening to the earth. We could pray, Father, there's an, an indeed a weariness in our nation. The last couple of months have been difficult, confusing, and disheartening. Many have grown more cynical. Others have become disillusioned. Division our nation has intensified. It indeed does look like truth has fallen in the streets. And yet you are showing many that you're going to cleanse our nation. We believe that this is already beginning. You're exposing so much. We ask you to continue this. Give grace and mercy to those who repent and turn from their deceitful ways. But whatever it takes, please cleanse us from this corruption. And we continue to ask for the corruption in this past election to be exposed until it is clear to all what really took place, and then bring your solution. And finally, Lord, we ask you for this great third awakening, which we know is coming, pour it out on America and also around the world. We ask for a billion souls to be saved and for entire nations to be transformed. May America be a recipient of this revival and also be used as a messenger of your gospel to the ends of the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. This is Dennis Peterson. I look forward to being with you again next time on Reclaiming Your Legacy.